Welcome to the Occult London Podcast. This is a new podcast dedicated to exploring magic, mysticism, the Kabbalah, as well as other topics. If you like the podcast, please write a review and rate us on iTunes. It will really help us to get this message out there. Also, be sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. If anyone has any questions for me, I'd love to hear from them. So please reach out via Facebook or an email. I'd love to answer any questions you might have. And you can find my Facebook on the show notes or alternatively email me at occultlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Hope you enjoy it. Over the last few weeks, as you've seen, we have been focusing on looking at the four powers of the Sphinx in relation to magic and magician and the kind of spiritual quest as well as in relation to our daily lives. So we covered to know, to will, to dare, which leaves one more, which is to be silent. And this is the final episode of the episodes on the powers of the Sphinx. So what does to be silent mean and how is that relevant to our work? So from a magical perspective, the first point um, is of silence is really this kind of silencing of the mind and stilling of the monkey brain. And this is what is meant really by the German proverb, silence is a fence around wisdom. And also what Sai Barbon meant, I think, when he said, you can hear the footsteps of God when silence reigns in the mind. Silence is the, is the goal of all meditative work and also really magical work. And that is through the silence that we can hear the spiritual realms and can also communicate with other levels. Silence is what enables communication with the Holy Guardian Angel, our higher self, angels, demons, gods and goddesses. The other aspect of silence is the protective aspect, I guess. Obviously the word occult means hidden. And occult knowledge is hidden for a reason. People don't understand it. People will also inexplicably not be interested in it at all. Because it just seems to almost hide itself from people that are not ready to explore that in their lives. There's also other reasons silence is important, however, as well. So if someone considers the idea, inflame thyself with prayer, and also, and thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might... Through the focusing of the mind, in silence, we are single-pointedly focusing all aspects of our being towards a magical goal. This is what the Christian mystic Miguel de Molinos meant when he said, Oh, how few are the souls that attain to this perfect way of praying, because they do not enough into this internal recollection and mystical silence. These ideas and concepts have filtered into new thought as well. So obviously Napoleon Hill is one uh, that people probably know about with his Think and Grow Rich book. And he talk, even he talks about this idea of focusing our energy and making sure that we really conserve that energy towards a goal rather than it spreading out. And he said genuine wisdom is usually conspicuous through modesty and silence. So if we go around telling everyone that what we're doing 
um, all the time. It weakens our power um, as individuals and magicians. So if you go around telling everyone you're doing the Holy God, you know, Abramelin operation, and you can't wait to meet your Holy God angel because it's going to be so cool, you know, that is completely against the really kind of the ethics of the of the process it it really needs to be something personal something that you're focused on yourself and something that you keep to yourself as well and it will certainly make your life a lot easier because people won't think you're an absolute crackpot and um you can go about your day you know you can have a normal job etc and you have this inner life this strong inner life that will be much stronger if you do not go around telling everybody that you're a a witch or um, a magician it can be useful sometimes to talk about things like that if you need you know a boost or you know obviously if you're with people that have similar interests then yeah by all means but um, I wouldn't recommend going around telling everybody things that they might not understand it can often give you can often create obstacles for you on the path um and as I said, it, if you go around telling everyone it, it's sharing, it, it can sort of weaken this power from that point of view. And this is quite well explained by Donald Michael Craig again when he said the following. Many times I've had students tell me that they started designing a talisman or ritual to achieve a goal, only to achieve the goal before they charged the talisman or performed the ritual. This is why I say magic isn't something you do. Magic is something you are. Magic doesn't begin when you start a ritual. It begins when you think about your goal. Similarly, magic doesn't end when you close your ritual. It ends when you achieve or abandon your goal. And he also says, magic involves harnessing external energies and internal ones to achieve a goal. The internal ones are directed by rituals in the mind. Controlling the mind, therefore, is an important and often overlooked part of magic. So if you go around telling everybody, and this is, again, he mentions this, if you go around and telling, oh, I did the ritual right, you, you know, you're sending your energy to that rather than the desired magical goal. If you share everything, not directly as well, you're, you're obviously sharing that goal. And then obviously, if you're kind of wondering about it, then... You lose, you're loosening this power so it's unlikely to work as effectively. You really want to do things and then kind of really forget them. And that's why you get the phrase, where attention goes, their energy flows. This is quite well explained by um, Christopher Thomas Lyam in his in Kabbalah Magicking book, when he says the following, You must adopt an additional rule in order to be an effective ritualist. Keep the specifics of your spiritual work absolutely private. Never discuss any of your magical doings. Avoid the pitfall of the big dreamers who fritters away all of their energy, talking about his plans while he does nothing to act on them. Be instead like the artist who never exhibits his paintings while it is in the midst of the creation process. The practice of sorcery keeps the energy of your will from bleeding away into matters of a social nature and therefore keeps it centred on the objective of the great work. Since silence properly understood is one of the magician's most powerful tools. Silence properly understood is one of the magician's most powerful tools. Every adept is acutely aware 
of the potency that dwells between words, between sounds and behind thoughts. Used at the appropriate intervals, silence prods, focuses and channels the attention of the magician's magic. It keeps his will pure and singular. And that's Liam Christopher Thomas, so really excellent book, um, worth checking out, Kabbalah Magicum. Also, W.E. Butler, who's one of my favourite authors, also wrote the following. Through wisdom is a house built, and by understanding it is established, says the Kabbalistic verse in the Bible. By wisdom and understanding... If you get the understanding and you follow it up with wisdom, wisdom says this, know, will, dare and keep silent. Know, will, dare, yes, dare. Don't be afraid of things, dare, but keep silent. When anybody tells me they'd been raising elementals in the back garden last night, I take that with a considerable amount of salt. If they really did it, they would keep quiet about it. So as magicians, uh, you know, as Butler says there, we need to do the ritual, forget about it, don't sabotage, and where possible, don't really talk about it um, with too many people because it will make you feel, if something doesn't happen, it will make you feel like, you know, you're a failure in other people's eyes. Um, whereas... A lot of this stuff is very subjective. So, you know, it's like meditation experiences, meditation diaries, things like that. Um, it's a very subjective feeling that means it's personal to you. And there isn't really a right or wrong from that point of view. Um, it's what it means to you. What does that mean to you? So you could meditate and see a, you know, a, a red squirrel with a top hat on walking along the garden and you could be thinking, what the hell does that mean? And it might not mean anything, and it might not be in any books of correspondences, but it's what it means to you. What What is your subconscious trying to communicate to you through that symbol? What does that symbol mean? And that's all that really matters at the end of the day. It's how it's going to, how it, what it means to you, and what is it trying to communicate and actualize in your consciousness so it's about that understanding um it's similar to if people try and talk to you about their dreams if you've ever had the experience of someone telling you about a dream they had it you know it's, it's often it's one of the most boring subjects to um have a discussion about really um because it just it's, it's just not relevant to you is it whereas if you have a really powerful dream to you it's amazing but try telling it to someone else and you start to see their eyes glaze over because it's um, it's really not interesting. And, you know, this is the... I think this is partly where this silence piece comes in, where we actually start to... to start to really feel that um, our experiences are relevant to us. And you shouldn't share them because that that's a, a message to you. It's not a message to the rest of the... Um, you know, all your group of mates in the pub, whatever. So yeah, do the ritual, but um, you know, forget about it and don't talk to people about it. I think is the, is a really good policy. Um, and the idea of this, you know, your goal, you are less likely to achieve your goals if you 
talked to loads of people about it. It's actually it's actually a scientific fact now. So there was a study by Golvitzer, um, and on behalf of uh, NYU, which he looked at basically forty nine psychology students at a, a German university, and they were asked to fill out a questionnaire on their commitment to being a psychologist, and then. The main participants were asked to write down their two most important study intentions for the week. So it would be things like, I will study more statistics, I will do X. One of the groups had their intentions read by the experimenter under the assumption that the they had completed their assignment correctly. And then the second group were told that the questionnaire had been wrong and would be discarded so their intentions went unnoticed and one week later they basically did a second questionnaire and they were required to write down their behavioral intentions listed previously and then indicate which ones they had acted on and the completed ones were brought to the experiment where the students received payment or course credit and um, they found that the, the students whose intentions were known tended to act less on their intentions rather than those whose intentions were unknown so it's you know it's this really this concept of if you tell people what your plans are or your goals are or that type of thing um, you give yourself this premature sense of completeness you feel a sense of pride in telling people what you intend to do so like i'm going to build an amazing business that's going to generate all this money and on one level your your subconscious i think actually believes that so you feel like you've actually already done it and you feel like whoa yeah i'm great i've just done that and this can actually hurt you later on so there's this kind of gap between what you think about your intentions where you want to be and then also you know acting on them so this is where it comes into the other elements of the sphinx you know to dare to will so it's keep silence so we know and then we plan you know with will we dare and we keep silence it's a continual cycle so all of these things we've been discussing are not they're not like locked in one it's very much all interdependent and that's where you get the image of the sphinx as being you know with the head of the man they've got the lion the bull and the eagle so it's this combination of elements that all make up the one and that's where we want to be so yeah um this is uh yeah this is the final episode of the series on the on the sphinx um so i hope everyone's enjoyed it i wanted to just finish with a poem as i have with the others because um i I thought it's a nice way to finish each episode and this is a poem um by thomas hood there is a silence where hath been no sound there is a silence where no sound may be in the cold grave under the deep deep sea or in the wide desert where no life is found which hath been mute and still must sleep profound no voice is hushed no life treads silently but clouds and cloudy shadows wander free that never spoke over the idle ground
but in green ruins, in the desolate walls, of antique palaces where man hath been. Through the dun fox or wide hyena calls, and owls that flit continually between, shrieked the echo and the low winds moan, there the true silence is, self-conscious and alone. So thanks very much for joining us this week on the podcast. Hope everyone's enjoyed it. If anyone has any questions for me, then please reach out via Facebook or an email as I'd love to answer them. My email is ocotlondonpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we really want to develop this further, so I'd appreciate if you could rate the show or leave a review on iTunes or any other platforms, and this will mean more people can see it and hopefully get some value from it. Also, make sure to visit our website at occultlondon.co.uk where you can subscribe to the show. Catch you all soon and speak to you later. Bye-bye. Moon down mine, silver soul in shrine.